the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 7.05 Saturday night, and we are back. Final hour of the show, not a moment too soon. <laughs> Holy smokes. Ah, Brittany Pedersen, I wondered what she would be like in Congress. So, so wrong on so many things when she served in the Colorado State Legislature. Such a shame that uh, CD8 got away. Some blame the Libertarian vote because the Republican candidate lost by less than that margin. And, uh, you know, that's a topic for another day. Libertarians always say, no, 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 we take equally from both parties. I don't believe that to be true. One of the reasons that uh, Colorado State GOP chair reached out to and is in discussions with the Libertarian Party to make sure that candidates stand for certain principles that would allow the Libertarians to not run a potential spoiler candidate. But she has gone on to Congress, and she did an interview that I think will play tomorrow on Fox 31. And just express, I don't understand why such dumb people get sent to Congress or why they become so wrong when they get there. They're just normal people. They're not specialists. They haven't learned anything special about this or that. And they say some of the dumbest things. And obviously fentanyl is killing Americans, especially American young people in massive, massive numbers, open borders contributing to it. She says no. Let's hear what she said, and then we'll talk to our good friend John Fabricatori about why that ticked him off so much. And across the country, and fentanyl is one of the biggest killers. In Denver, health workers say they've seen 27% more overdose deaths compared to the same time last year. 64% of those were due to fentanyl. This comes as some Republican lawmakers have blamed the increase in fentanyl on our streets to migrants crossing the southern border. Democratic Congresswoman Brittany Patterson commenting this week on Colorado Point of View. Take a listen. This is unfortunately uh, more stigma, rhetoric, and misinformation. We absolutely need security at the border. We do have significant security at the border. That's why cartels don't actually use the border for trafficking. They know that people who are uh, crossing the border are more likely to be uh, screened and identified. And so what we're seeing is actually almost 90% of fentanyl that's coming into the U.S. is coming through our ports. You can see that full conversation. Yeah, or not. So I, there's just so much wrong there. We absolutely need security. We have significant security. We could lock down the border. We were this close near the end of the Trump administration. Hypocrites, liars. And there are certain people, people who've worked in government, are now going on to... Uh, fight back against all of these dangerous situations that we're being exposed to right now. And none any better than my friend John Fabricatori. He gave me my very first trip through the ICE facility, the Aurora ICE facility. And I'll always be grateful for that, John. Welcome back to the show. It's been quite a while. Yeah, it's been a little while, Randy, and I'm, I'm glad to be back on the show. Thank you. 
Better believe it. I um, What was the name of the director of the ICE facility when we did the Stand with ICE rally with Michelle Malkin and others? Yeah, yeah. So so I I was actually the director of ICE, but the warden of the that ward- facility was, was Johnny at, at, at the time. Yeah. And his last name escaped me at the top of my head right now. Okay. He was, a, he was the warden through, uh, for GEO. Yeah, he was just so gracious. And uh, um, I learned so much about the operations there, so much that was misrepresented by the left about what goes on and how people are treated and just nonstop. Uh, you seem like a relatively young man to me. Did you leave ICE earlier than you had to, and if so, why? Uh, a, a little bit. So, so I, I was I retired as the ICE director. I, I retired at 50 years old last year in 2022. Um, I could have gone to 57, but I was just fed up with the lies from this administration, and I, you know, I couldn't look my agents in the faces any in their faces anymore. And, and, and tell them to go down to the border and just wave people in. You know, I was, I was deploying people every single, uh, you know, 60 days to go down there and uh, sending, you know, sending my rotation of people down, about 30% of, of my personnel from uh, my Colorado and Wyoming offices. And, uh, you know, they were just, you know, expressing to me, you know, how bad it was down there. And uh, I wound up, you know, wound up going down a couple of times myself and, uh, it, it, it was just a mess. And, uh, you know, I just I just couldn't do that anymore. I, and uh, I decided to just pull the plug. I had, I had 30 years by, by that time. And I said, I, I just can't do this anymore. But uh, I didn't retire and go home and sit on the couch. I, I retired and started a consulting firm. Uh, I became a board member for the National Immigration Center for Enforcement. And we are fighting back against this administration. And now that I have the handcuffs off me on what I'm allowed to say, I've been very vocal about how bad the border is. I testified in front of Congress in, in July, testified about how bad the situation is and how it affects our communities, testified to the fact of all these missing children that are missing, and HSS and the ORR does not know where they are. The Office of, of Refugee Resettlement has no idea where these 85,000 kids are. But it, it's, it, it's a fiasco, and this administration lets it continue. And fentanyl is one of the huge drivers and huge issues. And I saw what Congresswoman uh, Peterson had put on uh, on, on uh, Twitter on X, and uh, you know I, I just had to comment on it and, and and rip her on that one. Well, I'm really glad you did because these statements go unchallenged by so many in the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine. Before we dig down into some of the specifics that she was wrong about and what really needs to happen over there, what were the political pressures like when you were inside the agency, and how did it change, you know, from administration to administration? You know, the, the biggest thing for me was just really stopping the ICE officers from being able to go out on the street and make good quality arrests. So when uh, President Biden became the president, the first thing he tried to do in the first 100 days was end all deportations for 100 days. Thankfully, a federal judge took a look at that and said, you cannot do that. And, uh, you know, so that didn't happen. But they did come down and, uh, you know, they made it a lot harder for us to go out on the street and, and make arrests. They were they were really driven to allow uh, illegal immigration to to fester in the United States. And that's what's led to the situation that we're in. This administration says that the border is closed, but but they, they say one thing and they do something totally different. So their actions are causing people from all over the world to, to go through South America, 
come all the way up through Panama, through the Darien Gap, up through Central America, through Mexico, and across our border every single day. And the numbers that are coming across are almost unfathomable how many people are crossing our border daily. The Border Patrol is, is so overworked right now. Like I said, I was sending my officers down there on 60-day 60, uh, 60 rotations, and we were, they were, you know, I had guys that were down there four or five times on five different rotations, and uh, it was, it, it, it was, it's just a mess. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. How often, John, given given your experience, given the you know thirty years, you were an Air Force vet too, weren't you? Yes. yes so I yeah, I mean, you've been serving your nation in a host of ways for such a long time. How often are you invited on, for instance, local mainstream media, or even uh, public public TV? You know, Channel Twelve, Channel Six, or or the uh, Four, Seven, and Nine crew. Never. Uh, you know, a, a, a few of them, uh, you know, will, will bring me on to do a, like a, a news media interview. But, you know, it, it's, it, they'll usually have a, a single sentence blurb of what I say and, uh, you know, give give other organizations that are more left leaning, you know, you know, huge platforms to be able to talk about what they need to talk about. And I'll get like, you know, one sentence that, that, that they take out of the 15 minute interview that they do with me. How close were you still working for ICE during? Yeah, you were during most of the uh, Trump administration, weren't you? Yes, yes, yes. So, I, I, I actually, under the Trump administration, I was sent down to the border as a deputy chief of staff, uh, and I was actually a deputy chief of staff over Joint Task Force West, which was over the whole southern border. So when, when you know, for me, I'm a subject matter expert on the border. I, I, I worked down there as a deputy chief of staff. I knew what was going on, knew what was coming through the ports knew the types of drugs that were coming in, was witnessing daily the drug seizures that we were having. So, I, you know, I, I mean, I've been there and I, I've done that. How close were we to having a secure border? It, very close. I, I mean, the one thing about President Trump, you know, hats off to him was, was the border stuff. And, and a lot of the ICE agents and Border Patrolmen knew that he actually had our back. Uh, you know, a lot of resources were sent back down to the border. And, and we had some bad stuff going on at the time. We had a lot of caravans coming up. But uh, I, I, I just felt like the kind of resources that he put toward that, I mean, I was one of those resources sent down there to go work on, on the border, uh, you know, and, and just the way that they put those resources down. Right now, this administration is just throwing officers down there, and they are pretty much waving people in. All they're doing is letting them come in, they're processing them, and, and then they're, they're bringing them into the interior of the United States. Under Trump, we sent forces down there, and we were trying to keep people from coming over. And that was the big difference. And, uh, you know, that's, that, you, you can definitely see that now with the numbers of people that have entered the United States since this administration has been in control. Former ICE Field Office Director John Fabricatori is with us. What's your speculation about the motivation for the people in charge of Joe Biden to be allowing this to happen? No, no, no person who cares about their country, cares about their own people, uh, allows this kind of an invasion. It, you know, it, it's hard for me, Randy, because, you know, I don't want to be this guy who throws on the conspiracy hat. But I have to say actions mean a lot to me. And this is open border policy. There's no other way that I can look at this with, with the 26 years with INS and ICE that I had, 30 years as a federal employee, and look at this and say it's anything else than 
this administration wants an open border policy. To what end? To what end result? Have you taken it to the next step publicly in your thinking? Yeah, you know, next ne- next step could definitely be, you know, look, when, when you bring these people in and you allow them in and you give them free benefits and you give them all these free things like they're giving these people, they are going to put a D next to their name. Yeah. Okay, they are, they are going to be initially Democrats. Now, now you know, you know, some of these people may be conservative at heart. Some of these people coming from these African nations, you know, are, are, you know, very conservative in nature. Some other people coming from South America, you know, have conservatism in, in, in their bloodstream. But they're coming here right now, and this administration is giving all this stuff to them. They're going to put a D next to their name, and they're going to vote Democrat until somebody, you know, takes them aside and says, look, this, is, this isn't really what your values are. You're, you're voting Democrat because you were given all this free stuff and you and you feel like you owe the Democrats this because they, they let you come in illegally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of it has to do with voting. Some of it has to do with just posturing. And, and it's just this, this open border uh, uh, agenda. It, it's, it's this leftist socialist mentality that there should be no borders. You certainly reacted with some force to Brittany Peterson from CD7. I said CD8 before. Thank you, Leanne, for correcting that for me. But uh, what did she get so incredibly wrong? She said that uh, we need some security. We have significant security. But 90% of the fentanyl is stopped at our ports of entry. Yeah. You know, the first thing that, that, that made me mad is that she called it rhetoric that people like me and other federal uh, people are saying about how the, the drugs are coming around the ports of entry. It's coming in illegally around the ports of entry. And then she said that 90% of the drugs come through the port of entry. But, but that's, not the, the, that's not a true number. Nine, it, 90% is what we stop. We know we stop 90% because we're only catching 10% on the outsides. But this is, this is the deal. We stop 90% at the ports of entry because that's where all the offices are. That's where all the, the drug dogs are. That's where the x-ray machines are, the drug sniffing machines. We have all this technology at the ports of entry. Our CBP officers are trained to see when someone is driving up, notice how nervous they are. Look at certain things, things that they wear, things that are in the car. I, I can't get into some of these things, but they know. They look at these things, and then they send that person to secondary, and they do a big inspection, and then they find the drugs. Of course, we're going to find 90% of the drugs coming through the port of entry. And she also says, you know, it's mostly U.S. citizens. Yes, at the port of entry, it is mostly U.S. citizens that are smuggling drugs. Why do we think that is? Because an illegal alien is not going to drive a car up to a uh, CBP uh, officer and give him false documents because they're trained to notice that. So U.S. citizens are paid by the cartel to come through with good ID and good driver's licenses and good insurance and a good car to go through the port. So that's why it's mostly U.S. citizens that are arrested at the port. But a lot of drugs are coming around the port of entry. And, and you know, there's 1,900 miles of southern border, okay? There's not ports of entry all along that, okay? It's mostly open border that's 1,900 miles. There's about 600 and something miles of fencing or barriers uh, along that 1,900 miles. But just say, let me just give you a scenario. So say 20 backpacks a day 
filled with 20 pounds of fentanyl are coming in. That's 12,000 pounds of fentanyl a month on 20 backpacks a day with 20 pounds of fentanyl. That's 144,000 pounds of fentanyl a year if only 20 backpacks a day get through around the ports of entry. Incredible numbers. Just terrifying. If I had teenage kids right now, man, it would be a terrifying time. You know, just just the worry that they, uh, you know, get their hands on something that they think is a a hydrocodone, you know, some kind of an opiate or something. And it's got just the lace of, of fentanyl. What, what are we doing? 100,000 deaths a year? Is that the number yeah. that I recall? Yeah, it's 100,000 opioid deaths a year. About 70,000 of those deaths a year are due to fentanyl poisoning. Because I don't call it overdosing. It's fentanyl poisoning. Yeah, we are being poisoned by the Mexican cartel. We are being poisoned by the Chinese who are feeding those precursors to the Mexican cartels to then sell to American citizens. It is it is a, a, a terrorist situation that is occurring. They are killing, poisoning 70,000 people a year. John Fabricatore, have you seen the movie uh, Sound of Freedom? Yes, yes. What was your experience as a, as a border agent, a director of ICE with the child trafficking, and has it gotten worse, or is this, are we just finally becoming aware of this long-term ongoing problem? Well, it's definitely become worse under this administration because we have 85,000 children that we don't know where they are that we let in this country. And the uh, and uh, health, and, uh, health and Human Services, who gave them to the Office of Refugee Resettlement, has lost them. God. They don't know where they went to after they initially brought them into this country. But I, I, you know, I, I was on a task force for a few years with the U.S. Marshals. Operation Shepherd. It was the Adam Walsh task force. It was the task force dedicated to John Walsh's son. Um, and we, we dealt with child sex trafficking in that task force. So, it, you know, it, it's something that I've been around a periphery for for many years. And I, I've just got to say it, it, it is a bad problem. It, it's a it's a worse problem than the media gives any time to. And, you know, with the situation that we have at the border, it's just gotten worse. You know, we've, we've put these kids into situations, you know, where, you know, it, 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 it's just not good for them. And, and look, people were against Trump when Trump separated children from, uh, a, a, I'm just going to say adults, because Trump separated them because we could not prove that the adult that those children were with were a familial connection. And then Trump started doing DNA testing to make sure that those kids had a familial connection before we let those kids go with those parents. The thing with this administration, they stopped doing the DNA testing. When President Biden took over, they got rid of the DNA testing. So we have people bringing kids into this country, and we cannot prove a familial connection with that child. And we're just letting them take that child into the interior of the United States. Was there anything about Sound of Freedom that uh, that was just blatantly wrong? The left has come out and said, you know, it's more conspiracy no. stuff, more. No, no. I, I mean, look, you know, movies. It's Hollywood, yeah. You know, or not yeah, Hollywood. You know, they, yeah, they, they fluff things up a little sure. bit, you know. I, I mean, but, 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 not, but not the, the, the technical sense 
of 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 that movie. Uh, you know, no, no, for, you know, for sure, those things are going on. Uh, you know, they're they're going on throughout the world. It, it, it's happening. I mean, we still have human slavery throughout the world. You know, and there's a there's a lot of human sex trafficking and child sex trafficking that actually does occur. It's something we have to be cognizant of. That's why I'm 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 glad that the movie is out there. I'm glad a lot of conservatives have you know have embraced it and and they have a little more understanding because look you know they might notice something now they you know they may notice something that saves a child's life because of that movie and and for me that would be the biggest impact that that movie could could have you know someone noticing a situation you know that 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 saves a child from trafficking Amen, John. Amen. And I, I'm just so glad that you have taken your 30 years of experience, your service to your country and your knowledge of what really goes on with border and illegal immigration and all of those things. And instead of, you know, enjoying your retirement after uh, after putting in so many years uh, that you're out there educating people, what, what do you leave people with when you're at a, a presentation, a rally or whatever? What do you suggest they do? How, how do they make themselves not only more aware about reality, but also more effective in getting other people to wake up? Yeah, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is you've got to get in the ear of your congressmen and congresswomen. Look, we elected them. We put them into representation and we have every right to tell them what we expect. And look, you know, I am pro-immigration, pro-legal immigration. That's what America is based on and founded on. But what we have now is contrary to that. We are not obeying the law as it's written in regards to immigration law. So get, you know, get on the telephone, send out emails to your representatives and tell them this is not what we expect. We expect immigration law to be followed. We want people to legally come to the United States. But what is happening now is stressing our resources you know, putting us in situations of danger, and we do not want this. In Congress, you need to do something about it. I am. So, you know, I'm Republican National Committee, man, so I'm more deeply mm -hmm. involved in Republican politics than I ever wanted to be and that I ever was before. And it's so frustrating to me. We have a, com a so-called a putative commander-in-chief who will not, who's sworn duty to uphold the Constitution, enforce the laws of the land, will not enforce immigration laws. And there's still no action to impeach this man. None. Yeah. I, I, I just I just don't get it. I, I'm, what more do people need to see? What 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 do you want to see in order to open up an impeachment inquiry on, on this president? It, I, I, it, it, I don't get it. it. It literally makes me stutter because I, I my, my brain can't wrap around it. Yeah, the Democrats, as soon as, you know, they found out about a phone call Donald Trump made within three days, there was an impeachment right. inquiry and then an impeachment. It, and we right. just diddle and daddle and dawdle around. I've heard Steve Scalise and others who have said and and the guy who um, who is leading these investigations into the Biden crime family, Comer or Coomer, no Comer, I think, say that uh, he's concerned about the political effect of bringing an impeachment right now. The, the Democrats don't play that way, man. They fight with no. everything they've got. Fingernails, eye gouges, pocket knives, kicks in the nether regions. I mean, they just don't care. And I, I yeah. ugh, uh, Don't get me started. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, John, the resident historian for 710 KNUS, Alexa, has texted in. I didn't realize this. The Stand with Ice rally was exactly four years ago today. It was a Monday, but it was September yep, was- 2nd, 2019. I'd forgotten the date. No, it was. I, I thought it was nine twenty one, twenty nineteen. Hmm. Well, maybe I she, she I, could be wrong. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I mean, I could be because there were there were multiple rallies while I was there. But I thought your rally, the one that you guys did, yeah, because it, it was you, Michelle Malkin, and we we had a bunch of, uh, um, uh, um, uh, I think Stephen. Yeah, it was Stephen Tubbs. There was a bunch of people that had showed up to that one, and it was the counter rallies that were going back and forth at each other. Um, I, I saw it. No, no. You know what? That the rally that I'm thinking of is the one where they took down the flag and burned it. Yeah, that was in July. Uh, okay. Yeah. And okay. that's what yeah, okay. that's what triggered the stand with that's ice what, rally. That's what from, triggered. That's what triggered you guys. That's and, right. And we did do it right. over Labor. I was I was kind of remembering, and yeah. now Alexis confirmed that we did it over that Labor Day oh, weekend because oh, right. I, I remember yeah. we scrambled to put it together. Anyway, I'm I'm sure glad it, it happened. Yeah. It allowed me to get to I know you too. and have you back here doing this tonight and. Really do appreciate it, well, me, my friend. Go ahead. Yeah. And let me just let me just say one thing about that. You know, I, I I got to meet with a lot of the ICE agents and the GEO employees after that. After you guys showed up for that. Yeah. And and they were very very thankful for you guys coming out and having their their back. I mean, truly truly thankful about that because all they were seeing for like two or three months before that were rallies all the time telling them how bad they were and you know what they were doing was wrong and and that they were housing children in that facility which they've never done uh so they were hearing that day in and day out and then to have all of you guys show up and 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 actually tell them you know how much you respected them and and thought about them it was it was huge to those agents and officers huge well that's really good to hear and i hope that's an encouragement to others when they think you know what can i do just saying thank you to a cop just showing up for a rally in support of you know, beleaguered law enforcement of whatever stripe is a really important thing. So thanks for sharing that, John. That really means a lot to me. I'm glad we worked hard to make that thing happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, God bless you, my friend. Have a great Labor Day weekend, and uh, we'll have you on more often. Keep up the good work. God bless. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. You bet. Way late, as usual, it seems now. 730, phone number 303-696-1971. And I'm Randy Corcoran. Stay here on 710 KNUS. Nothing remains quite the same. Man, I'll tell you, songs that used to just play through my head and never gave much thought to the lyrics, they just all have such different meaning now in this new reality that I'm living in. But uh, I don't know. It's not a negative thing. It's It's just what it is. And Alexa, historian Alexa... Nonstop on the Texas Studio app. 921 was the second rally. Yep, I remember that now, too. And that someone made pins, which we gave away to listeners. Yeah, man, did that blow up the phones. Ran out of pins before I ran out of listeners who wanted them. That's for darn sure. And uh, those were some good days. That really made me feel good to hear John say that for those beleaguered ICE agents who were being protested and lied about and... Uh, It's why I went and toured the facility so I could see what kind of circumstances people were in, talk to some of the people who were there, um, get the truth about what was really going on inside that facility. It was really, really helpful. Just another example, though, of how the left will lie about whatever the hot topic of the day is, whatever the issue is, 
whatever way they're trying to sway people to get another radical leftist policy implemented or another leftist action done. It doesn't matter. There is no attachment to the truth. Absolutely none. And was it Jack? I don't remember who called in before and said that, uh, the left, yeah, it was Jack, the left that always accuses us of the things that they do. That's right out of rules for radicals from Saul Alinsky that Hillary Clinton wrote her treatise on, dedicated to Lucifer. That's the devil, by the way. So strange. And so, you know, I've got all these, and this is, I don't know, it's been a foggy night for me, and I'm not sure why, but it's uh, its just the way it is, and I like to, to tell you when it's so. But sitting during the breaks, watching my social media, some stuff popped up, a picture of me and Tana with our baby grandchildren, our first two back in 21, 4th of July, Bandamere up in the suites uh, in the tower over there at Bandamere. Beautiful picture. And then a post rolled by, uh, The Dangers of the Last Days. This is Second Timothy chapter 3. It's not too long. I think I may read the whole thing. And just think about this. This is from the New Living Translation, but uh, but you get the point, even if you're a King Jameser. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Now, I know it's easy to fit Scripture into current times at any stage of our history. How many religious groups have been out there and decried we're in the last days and, you know, people even going so far as to give up their homes and their worldly possessions and go camp out on a hill and do all those kinds of things. But just think about it. Just think about the the progression over the last couple of years. How fast things have turned into this radicalized world that we're living in and that the corrupt coordinated democrat controlled media machine is promoting as just the norm we've got to help these young children by acknowledging their gender confusion and putting them on hormones and allowing them to remove or adjust or modify their body parts and we can't let their parents know because their parents just won't understand yeah these drag queen library story time hours they're they're just fine we're just exposing we want these children to be comfortable with these people who are living this their true selves their true not an alternate lifestyle not a mental health or a disease mental health issue or a disease but just living their real selves which includes shaking their male private parts into the faces of little children putting on makeup that is devilish, demonic, terrifying to some kids, and then forcing down their throats through books and and the school story times and the teachers with agendas are so grateful for libs of TikTok. Man, they are just, and they, I don't 
go on TikTok, but I do follow their Twitter page. They are exposing teacher after teacher after teacher what's going on in these classrooms. Parents, I don't know if the kids are doing it on their own or parents are having their kids record things. Teachers are losing their jobs. And it's it's so needed, so needed. Thank God parents are waking up and paying attention and starting to assert control. All of these things are tremendous signs of, of hope. You know, if you believe that um, everything that we do is preordained, and, and I just, I don't know that I, I, can, I can make that leap with you. Maybe God knows, but he's not directing every breath, every step. He expects us to act. Your fellow citizens expect you to act your children and your grandchildren, the people, your parents, if they're still alive and maybe getting to that stage in life where they're relying on you, expect you to act. And we have to act by waking people up to what's going on. That's the name of this show. Wake up. It's got nothing to do with morning time. So critical for you to get engaged. Don't be afraid because of your job. Don't be afraid because of your neighborhood. Don't be afraid because of your standing in society or in your neighborhood or in your family. Because those people that turn on you, they weren't true friends. They weren't real friends. They weren't good friends or good people to you anyway. I know it's terrifying. Lord knows I'm involved in lawfare right now. And I expect more of the same. I've got people I know, people who've come to me as clients who were present in Washington, D.C., January 6th. They see these 17-year sentences, 30-year sentences for nonviolent offenders. And they see people losing their jobs and, and losing their families even when it turns out that they went to support President Trump, and maybe, just maybe, showed up on the Capitol Hill grounds. And so it's this is what they want. They want us to be afraid. They want us to be intimidated. They want to send a lesson that so that nothing, no resistance can be tolerated in a tyranny. We're living in a tyranny. Court system, out of control. People in black robes who are no better than you or me. They're just human beings. They got a law degree. They move themselves along in a political way to get the eye of someone who could put them in a position of power for the rest of their lives, and they took it. And so many are misusing it, misabusing it for their version of a greater good. People on our side of the political spectrum aren't telling you how you must live. We're telling you that we all are entitled to live the way that we choose and that you are not entitled to shove your agenda down our throat. You can't back down. You can't stop fighting. You can't be afraid of being called a name or called a radical or whatever, whatever the term may be. Think of the courage that it took to free ourselves from the tyranny of Great Britain back in 1776. 
yeah, it's bad right now. And the instantaneous media can can turn a reputation, can bring you from obscurity into the faces and the homes of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or more people that may not like you. I don't think that's anything compared to getting a musket ball blasted past your head or into your leg or wherever facing down the greatest military force the world had ever seen up to that point. And even if on a different level, it's equally terrifying, equally hard. It has to be done. It has to be done. Or God's greatest gift to humanity as far as a governmental system will be lost forever. You and I can't let that happen. You and I are the only people who can control what we do next to make sure that it doesn't. Mm-mm-mm. One of those nights. Okay, let's take our final break, 746, and I will be right back to wrap up the show here on 710KNUS. Our pastor, Dr. Biff Gore, and second place contestant on The Voice, but uh, he, he sung that at uh, Tana's funeral. One of her many favorite songs. In fact, it's the ringtone that she put on my phone so that when she would call me, uh, it would play the uh, the more mainstream version of that song. That was a performance by someone I'd never heard of before, Lucy Thomas, but I just stumbled across it on YouTube and thought it would be nice to sneak in there. And Alexa, thank you for your remembrance today and some great texts very, very grateful for for everybody, for all the support. It's uh, three months, hard to believe. Um, yeah, but that's that's where we're at. I had mentioned last week, just occurred to me, since I never write anything down, that um, I had promised to share some of the resolutions that the Republican National Committee had uh, had created and signed off on. I co-sponsored one of them. Uh, this one, I didn't have an opportunity to co-sponsor, but I certainly would have because this is the RNC's resolution urging a, quote, return to excellence in American voting and elections. Whereas to present a formal resolution from the Republican National Committee for declared opposition to voting manipulation schemes and to return to the functional and historic balloting and polling experience that Americans understand, appreciate, and love. Whereas the mission of the Republican Party is to act as the party that encourages and allows the broadest possible participation to all voters and to assure that the Republican Party is open and accessible to all Americans, whereas ensuring the integrity of our voting and election administration is critical and foundational to maintaining a civil and decent society decentralized from a federal government as the founders intended, whereas Americans expect accurate and swift determinations as it pertains to elections and the administration of elections, Whereas elections have been under assault from those on the left as they attempt to implement schemes and intentionally inject chaotic administrative changes that have drastically changed how elections are conducted in hundreds of the most populous counties and regions across 
the nation, whereas election officials are obligated to apply polling place access equitably in states and should not eliminate polling places in order to move to, quote, vote center models that make polling place access more difficult in more conservative areas, whereas Democrats are passing non-citizen voting laws in liberal cities, which the Republican National Committee has previously resolved to oppose and ensure only United States citizens decide our elections, whereas Republican officials are explicitly asking for decisive direction and support from the national Republican apparatus and elected Republican leadership, whereas the grassroots activists of the Republican Party have discovered and made it abundantly clear that they are recognized there are recognized problems with electronic election procedures and intentional complications of instituted systems that complicate, belabor, and slow down our election processes. Almost done. Whereas election experts agree that the most resilient voting systems use paper ballots, either marked by hand or with an assistive device, and are verified by the voter before any means of tabulation. And finally, whereas the Republican National Committee has unanimously opposed complicated election schemes like ranked choice voting, that is a clear example of the chaos being pushed on our states and territories. Therefore, be it resolved. The Republican National Committee boldly means boldly opposes means of voting that do not have the proper safeguards in place and are exclusively electronic and calls on every county and state in the nation to use as the default ballot systems, which are fully auditable, namely hand-marked, voter-verified paper ballots to ensure every voter is memorialized by a paper record. I'm not going to finish this. Resolved, the Republican National Committee calls on secretaries of state and each state to implement anti-counterfeit ballot printing, tracing, and verification procedures. Resolved, the Republican National Committee formed a special election integrity committee designed to offer ideas, suggestions, and reports on election equipment and voting procedures, and it will integrate its findings of best practices through the Election Integrity Department and communicating its findings on voting schemes, balloting schemes, election equipment, and safeguards to elected officials, candidates, and voters. <sighs> I'm going to have to probably stop it there. I should have started that bad boy sooner. But you got the flavor. That is your old Titanic Republican National Committee standing up for paper ballots, for secure, transparent elections. The most litigious RNC in history 90-plus percent of which is regarding election integrity. So, again, I understand the criticisms of the RNC. I voted for new leadership in the RNC the last time I had the chance. But those of us who were there focused on this and so many other grassroots issues are making a difference. This is the official policy of the RNC now. And, yeah, it needs, it needs more action. We need more success in the courts. We need judges and public officials who aren't afraid to actually move the ball. But you have to start somewhere. They told us we would never eliminate Roe v. Wade. We would never get the idea of defending life in the womb front and center again. And we never stopped. And we will never stop on this issue either. Yep, that's why I do it. That's why I encourage you to do it. Get out in the fight. Hold your officials accountable. 
and support those who are doing the things that you know matter most to us and our country. Don't forget Backbone Radio, Dr. Matt Dunn. He'll be here next week filling in for me. I'll be at a Lincoln Day dinner. And Backbone Radio tomorrow night from 4 to 7 p.m., the bookend to the MAGA weekend programming here. I'm Randy Corcoran. Love to my dreamy girl in heaven. And to the rest of us, always remember this. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.